Welcome back to season three, episode five of the postmortem. Yeah. This week we are going to be talking about failure. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Rhea is a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't even finish that sentence before you started laughing. <laughs> no, She's so horrible, guys. This is what I've too mean. With. I couldn't I couldn't finish oh, sentence. too mean. Sure, sure. And obviously untrue. Yeah. I mean it's not because Rhea's been failing at everything and thing, <laughs> but we were just <laughs> We just, it just felt like a relevant topic Shut for some up. reason. <laughs> oh, um, we just, it, I think it's a good topic yeah. to discuss. It's, it's, I think this time of year also people often like do a lot of reflecting and evaluating the year. Exactly. exactly. And yeah. sometimes this year, can, this time of year can be like quite a glum one for some people. They don't feel that like festive cheer that everybody's getting into now that it's basically December now, practically. Yeah. So yeah, I think it'd be a a good one to discuss. Yeah. So speaking of this time of year, it's all getting very festive. Festive. It's cold now. It is. Yeah. It's really quite wintry. Yeah. But it's like, I love those cold, bright days. Yeah. I'm getting into the festive cheer a bit more. And now it's like, I'm starting to enjoy this time of year. Because yeah. I love seeing it. It's all over social media, isn't it? Everyone's putting up their trees. Exactly. Yeah. You said something today, which was pretty upsetting. You said that you weren't going to put up the tree. Well, I wasn't thinking I would because, you know, life's busy. And I'm not planning to do a Christmas party this year, nor am I hosting Christmas after... Mm hosting Christmas the last actually two years mm. so I was like do I need to bother it's just me with this tree but but maybe no, for Rhea I'll it's, put up a tree yeah thanks I appreciate <laughs> it it's really nice um I don't I'm not the type of person that puts it up pre-December mm. I'm usually the first weekend of December is when I usually start yeah well it, it, up. it can start to die a bit early if yeah. you get it too early and yeah also all the Christmas lights, lights and the decorations it feels very festive at the moment in London yeah. So we thought we'd do a little festive, fun intro this episode, yeah. and we thought we'd get each other an advent calendar. Yeah. And it's a good time, actually, because we'll start it from the 1st of December. Mm. And the brief was to get each other a not an expensive ad- advent calendar, mm. about £10, £12, mm. and something that reminded us of each other. Now, Rhea kind of screwed me over here, because... <laughs> I thought this was a, this was actually my idea, and I suggested it like two weeks ago, thinking, "Oh, I have time to like get a really clever, like thought out." Oh yeah, one. see, this is also why I kind of did it because I know that I don't have that capability <laughs> of getting you something that's like super super. So thoughtful. I was, like, and I would have been able to order it online or something. I, I like the budget could have been low, but I was like going to look around for something that really reminded me of you. But then you were like, "Oh, we won't have time," so we sort of scrapped it. And then on Friday night, well, we didn't fully sc- <coughs> we didn't fully scrap it. Okay, <laughs> it was kind of like, "Yeah, we'll get one," but it doesn't you know? And then yeah. I happened to be on the supermarket in Friday on Friday night, and I was going away for the weekend, and I called her up and I was like, "Are we doing this? Because I'm in Waitrose right now, and I can get you something if we're definitely doing this." <laughs> and so we thought, "Okay, screw yeah, so it, we let's thought just we'd do, do it. it." But the problem for me is that, like, basically from Friday night onwards, I've been non-stop busy so I only had this morning to get it and I had to just go to like the most available supermarket and so I couldn't really get something that's that like specific but I think no, it is still specific I didn't get something specific the one I'll, I'll tell you what afterwards okay what, uh, so should we do our options were our exchange our reveal. reveal oh I wonder if we got each other this imagine one. I don't think we have I but. don't think we have I knew you were gonna get that one. I was gonna get you that one too. Wait. Yeah, I knew you'd get me a lint one. Oh, I didn't. Oh, you got me a Ferrero. I get you a Ferrero one. one. Oh, um, thank 
cute. I was going to get you a lint one because yeah. this always reminds me of you really? as well. And then I thought to myself, no, I'm not going to get that because yeah. I know you'll probably get it for me. <laughs> um, essentially, I used to hoard all of my lint Easter chocolates and yes. Easter bunnies and things like that. Like my I used dad to get when I was always kid. used to buy you buy that it gold. As well. From whenever he'd gold go travelling to Switzerland, he would buy you those lint I knew you'd bunnies. get me this. Yeah. <laughs> I so knew it. So it's for, like, you know, obviously you can't see what we've just exchanged, but Ria's got a lint teddy calendar. Oh, so it's all these so little cool. mini teddies. And I think there's a big one in for the mm-hmm. final day. The 24th. Yeah, and then you've got. I've got you a Ferrero one, and I actually like the other alternate. Like, you know, Ferrero actually has like the other two times. The coconut one is my favourite. The Raffaello, it's so good. Yeah, that's exciting. I need like it, and also, Mm. obviously, this time of year is. You know, for a lot of people that have lost loved ones and things, it's kind of mm. hard. Yeah. And you and I both know how much my mum loved Ferreros. So yeah. I thought it might be a nice little Aww. little thing to remember her as well. I was um, going to get you um, I had a, a perfect... I was going to get you a Tony's Chocolonely one. And my Did you shop be... at Waitrose as well? Because that's literally what was what was the available. <laughs> no, was I, this one, I, that one, and uh, that Tony's Chocolonely one. I went to Tesco. Cause I was, and I never shop in Tesco, but it was just yeah. the most available thing today. Um, and I, was, I had this whole plan that I was going to get you Tony's Chocolonely and be like, it's because you're so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Because <laughs> you're an only child. So you always... <laughs> Shut up. It's so mean. I saw this in Waitrose. They had a gin and tonic one. Oh. And I was thinking about getting it. Mm. And then I was kind of like, well, like having a gin and tonic a day. Every is, day. Is it, it's a bit much. <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I thought, you, I thought you'd probably get sick of it. <laughs> so then I thought, oh no. That's... Wait, the other place I went to had loads of like tea ones and I was like, oh, yeah. I drink tea really. I was going to also, that was another yeah. option. Yeah. But then I, I wasn't sure how keen you were on like all diff- the herbal all teas. The, yeah. yeah, all the flavours because I know you have a few that you like and yeah. that's the ones that you normally have. Yeah, no, but it was cute. Thank you. I'm Thank just... you. I can't wait to open the first little door. I've actually got two advent calendars because I got myself a cheapy £2 one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but now I get this nice one. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, yeah, it'll take us up to Christmas. Exciting. Okay, so, have you been otherwise, apart from... Yeah, really good, actually. Um, I will jump in with my best of the week. Mm. Um, so, I haven't been watching a lot of TV lately. Mm. Um, for some reason, I kind of just went off of it. And then recently, I've started getting back into watching a couple of little shows. So, mm. one that I've discovered on iPlayer is called The Met. Okay. And it's, it's like a police show. Mm. And it's true, like... It's kind of like a documentary, I guess. Oh, okay. And they follow police officers, like, solving, like, you know, crimes and things like that. And it shows their processes and how they catch the people and yeah. this, that and the other. But it's really good. It's quite, it's got good pace. It's quite grippy. Mm. And it's a bit, sorry, gritty, not grippy. <laughs> um, it's quite, it's upsetting because obviously some of the stuff they, like, they're, some of the crimes that they're showing is, you know, obviously not pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all real life and a lot of it in London and things like that. And yeah. it's quite upsetting, but it's a really good show. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, check it out. I think they've got other seasons as well, but not that's available to watch on the on iPlayer. The one that's available now is, like, the most recent one, like season Fine. four or something. But yeah. it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Nice. And um, I just had a lovely cousin's weekend 
girly weekend with nice. my cousins on my mum's side, so that was really nice as well. What about your your week? What's what's been happening? Yeah, so my best is probably yesterday. We did our like we my university friends and I since since we've known each other every year we do a Christmas. That's such thing. a cute tradition. It is. It's like it's like a solid tradition now. Mm. I think this is probably the gosh, it's like the fifteenth year. Mm. And I think that once you get up to 15 years, it's like... It's you're pretty gonna, impressive. You're going to carry it on forever, yeah. I think. And it's really nice because the group's grown, obviously. Mm. Like, people have gotten married and people, like, married into the group. There are no kids in the group yet. 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 Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's really fun to, like, get together. And obviously not everyone makes it every year. We did a really big one for the 10 years one where we all went and stayed in a house in the Cotswolds for a weekend, and that was amazing. Mm. I think we should try and do that, like, every... 10 years yeah. maybe if we can um but yeah we just host it and like the, it varies every year so you get a pretty good turnout though yeah exactly. you only had a couple few people missing didn't you yeah we usually have like like 80 percent of the group that's pretty good exactly and so yeah and, and sometimes like you know we stay overnight somewhere sometimes it's more low-key last year we actually went out for a meal mm-hmm. because it was kind of last minute and we were like no one could really it's easier be, yeah exactly um, and we always do Secret Santa every year. Oh, we have these nice. little traditions in it. And this year we added a new thing, which is we did a quiz. Yeah. Um, and I thought the quiz was really fun because you couldn't have done it straight after uni because it was like too recent. But now it's been enough time. It was like different. Set. I sort of made up the questions and it was like random things that happened in the group or like oh, memories. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. One of my friends did that. You know when COVID, when everyone was doing mm. those quizzes? Yeah. My <laughs> quizzes. One of my friends did one, uh, like a friendship one, and mm. she like did a deep dive on our like Facebook accounts and we had to like guess who posted random things or commented. Oh, it was wow. so hilarious. Yeah. Very cringe, but so hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen stuff like that on, on like TikTok and things. I actually got the idea because loads of, loads of TikToks are about friends giving and mm. stuff because of Thanksgiving, yeah. and I saw that people were making their own game shows for their friends. Groups, that's and I was really like, fun. Oh, that's quite fun, and it went well. And then I did some of the quiz questions are like to do with like our actual university, mm. like random, like oh, if you were trying to go from this department to that department, what building do you have to walk through? Like, oh yeah, that's stuff good. like that. That was quite fun because it was like trying to test your memory. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was probably my best oh, of the week this nice. week. And what about your worst? My worst, I don't re- didn't really have too much of a worst, but I g- did get my COVID and flu jabs at the same time, and mm. I just it just ruined my sleep because I couldn't. I normally side sleep, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I couldn't sleep on either side, yeah. And then I also had my eye test on the same day. That opticians is so expensive. Okay, admittedly, have not had my <laughs> eyes checked in a really long time, yeah. Um, but I had my eye test, and then my prescriptions changed very, very slightly. Mm. Um. And so I literally just ordered new lenses to go in my existing glasses. Mm. £185. <laughs> I was like, what? And they're like, is this okay? And I'm like, well, I've got no choice. Yeah. It's like either I don't see properly or, or, or I pay it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that about a lot of things. A lot of things. Yeah. That is true. But I just, I don't know. I think it's because I've literally not had an eye test in quite a long time and I just completely... Yeah, like, forgotten about it, but it's it's spending. Well, I just thought it would but be does it, cheaper. Does the world given... feel different now that you've got the new lenses? I haven't got them like... oh, in yet. Them yet. <laughs> I've literally just all I've ordered them, yeah. so they're waiting. And then they're kind of like, oh, because my current um, frames are not from the place that I went to. Mm. They're like, oh, there's a risk that we could damage your frames because they're not our frames. Oh, and god. I was like, oh god, here we go. They're gonna break the glass <laughs> and they need new frames as well. That's That'll gonna, be another two hundred quid. They're just gonna give you back the new lenses without the frame. <laughs> Like, sorry. 
<laughs> use as a monocle. <laughs> use duct tape, stick it to your face. <laughs> Maybe that'll be a new look. You never know. Yeah, I'll start a new trend. Um, what about your worst of the week? Well, my worst, as you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Here, here comes the sub story. <laughs> You're the one complaining about, oh, my arm was a bit sore after my flu jab. <laughs> I had actual surgery this week. Why do, why do you just one injection? What? It was two. I had COVID and flu. Oh my God, two injections. I was unconscious. <laughs> why do you tell everyone what such <laughs> Okay, it was just a small... You're making it sound like you had like a heart bypass or something. <laughs> no, okay, it was a small surgery. It was a small day UK surgery and it was like this thing on my eye. I'm not getting into the details of it. Yeah. Um, but it was on my eyelid, which is a bit stressful because it's like, I don't like that. Yeah, like, anything near your eye. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but because of that, I had to be under a GA, which I've never had before. Um, How was yeah. the experience of it? I enjoyed the <laughs> GA experience, to be honest. That's the best <laughs> night's sleep she's ever had. <laughs> I did enjoy it because it was only short. Like, yeah, it was like yeah. an hour. Yeah. And I was just like, literally, like within seconds of sleep, didn't, mm. didn't know what happened in that hour. Woke up again, and I was just in it's the quite recovery. a vulnerable thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, being hood asleep, and like you just have to blindly trust that they're gonna, and obviously they're not. Yeah, gonna, and like what anything, can anything can happen. happen. Yeah, like, well, like so that you, there is also with general anaesthetic, there is a small, a risk, small chance yeah. you do die or yeah, never wake up, yeah. and you just like that's it, you fall asleep. To be fair, it's not a bad way to go if that happens. Yeah, you just fall asleep, you wouldn't yeah. even know. But what about what if like. You go under general anaesthetic, and then, like, in that time we were under, like, the apocalypse happened. Yeah, something, <laughs> you, can something you imagine? Happened. Yeah, like, well, there's a fire yeah. in the hospital, like... Anyway, you were yeah. making a very big deal about it, and I was telling you how much I was just like, oh, get on with it, it'll be fine, and then it came to the day, and I was actually mildly... Worried for Worried, me. Mi- mildly Aww. worried. I was, I was nervous texting you in the morning. Yeah, which was quite funny because I was like sat there really about to go into surgery and all week you've been like, oh, it's going to be fine. Stop making a big deal. And then you were like, oh, I'm a bit worried. <laughs> yeah, I did text you saying that. <laughs> but actually my best of the week was you sending a photo of where the, where the surgeon had drawn an arrow on your eye. <laughs> on my forehead. <laughs> on your forehead to make sure that they did the right, the correct eye. Uh, but yeah, so that was it. I mean, and then, yeah, it was my first, it was my first, first other, surgery. First surgery was a plastic surgery. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> the star of many, according to you. It's just the she needs the rest of her face fixed. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not like I'm not anti plastic surgery. No, I. To be honest, I'm the kind of person that's like, if if that's what you want to do to make yourself feel more confident and you know comfortable, then do do yeah. whatever you want. But to be clear, this choice. wasn't a, like a no. Aesthetics. You didn't do it for cosmetic yeah. reasons. Yeah. You know. But but it just happened to be a plastic surgery. Mm. So yeah, that was my worst. But it actually was fine. So in a way, in a way, it was kind of my best because I was nervous about it and it went fine. So I feel good about good it. Good about afterwards. it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we are going to talk about failure today. Mm. I think it's a topic that we've talked about using on the pod for for a while. Yeah. It's definitely a really interesting one. I. Th- I think, I mean, because it's so relatable. Everyone's mm. had some sort of failure. Yeah. Maybe we, I thought we would talk about maybe our own experiences of failure, if, if we can think of something maybe at different points in our life. Mm. What about, 
I think yeah. a lot of my failures that I've experienced, in all honesty, most of them have probably been like academic. Academic things, Academic, yeah. work-related, you know, that sort mm. of thing. But we were talking when we were brainstorming for the episode about other things that have happened in our life that, you know, at the time felt like such a big deal. You know, mm. like, for example, my cousin asked me to sing at her wedding. Yeah. And I was, we, how old was I? About I seven. Was six or seven. Yeah. yeah. And I just got on the stage and as I was singing, just like burst out into tears. And then my uncle and I think one of my other cousins came up to like support mm. and sing with, which sing with me. Which like, it's not a big deal. But like, objectively now, if you saw a seven-year-old on the stage crying when they're singing, you're not going to be like, oh my God, what a failure. Yeah, but you but when feel, you're, I felt like it. Exactly, and it became yeah. like, you know, everybody was talking about it and you just feel, yeah, you feel like, oh, you know, I let people down. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Especially in our culture, mm. I think there's, you know, so much of your... Because our parents attribute a lot of their own success to their children. Mm. When you fail, it's not just the feeling of you letting yourself down. It's the feeling of, like, you potentially letting your family and your parents down. And yeah. I think that can make it feel worse. Yeah. So, for example, when you were a kid and you failed... like Because I, I think, yeah, I think it's really interesting thinking about failure as a, as a child versus an adult like mm. for me when I was thinking about an example of when I failed as a child mm. it wasn't a failure it was probably sort of to do with an academic thing mm. but it was um the failure I remember it wasn't the actual basically I had messed up something at school I was yeah. probably in like year five or six or mm. something and I hadn't told my parents about it like I'd oh, just hidden it from yeah, them yeah and then the the failure, as I remember it, isn't even whatever the thing was that I failed at. Yeah. It was the fact that I didn't tell them. And they went to parents' evening oh, and, and found, found out. out. And that, for me, was the failure. Because yeah. I remember them coming home. And I remember I was, like, so dramatic. I, like, I was, like, so worried about it. I, like, pretended to be ill that day. Oh, like, no. I was, like, in bed. I was, like, I'm, I'm sick. I've got a cough. I'm not feeling well. Yeah. And then they came back. And they obviously knew that I was just, like, putting all the show on because I was, like, so... Yeah. Scared yeah. of like them finding out. But I can't even, honestly, it was obviously irrelevant. I was a year five. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Yeah. So maybe some project I hadn't handed in or something mm. and I got in trouble for it, but then I never told them about it. Yeah. And then, yeah, like I remember the failure I feel, I don't remember it as like the thing I felt, but more just the fact that I hid it from them and yeah. then them finding out as, and that being like the failure. I think as a kid, that's definitely more of the worry it's not necessarily just your own opinion yeah. on the fit yeah. and the failure it's definitely like oh what is mum and dad gonna say or, yeah exactly yeah. how is it gonna make them feel will they be disappointed because you never want to make your parents disappointed right yeah and it's like when your parents say I'm not angry I'm just disappointed <laughs> like, yes, exactly. it's always the worst feeling exactly and and yeah I think what happened after that in terms of how I coped with it Obviously, mum and dad got really angry at me. They, mm. like, had a go at me. But, like, you, you survive, you yeah. know, and then you move on. Whereas I think failure is maybe harder to deal... I don't know with you, with the singing. Like, I feel that incident did impact your confidence when it came to performing. Oh, yeah, 100%. In After that. Because I remember yeah. whenever you had to sing... I wouldn't you, do it. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I definitely wouldn't. Because it was embarrassing. Like, it was my cousin's wedding. There was hundreds of people there. Yeah. And... It was really hard. And also, it's like hyped up, right? Because mm. I was te we were recounting the story of when I was about four years old. Mm. And 
it's also my dad's proudest moment of me, which I didn't find out until my graduation day. I was like, oh, is this your proudest moment of me? And he was like, no, my proudest moment was when you were four and you sang this hymn in front of like 300 people or something like that all on your own. And you just did it. Just and I was like, you. oh, wow. Okay. So this graduation doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, I think it was... Yeah, it's the, the hype of it and, you know, mm. you just sort of, yeah, you feel like a bit of an embarrassment and, mm. you know, that you couldn't do it. But, yeah, but a, yeah, a lot more of that, you found it harder, harder to... to perform, yeah. Mm. Like, I, you know, if people wanted to sing, I, I, I struggled to yeah. do it. Like, eventually you get the confidence back, don't you? But mm. it definitely took a while, especially immediately after then. I wasn't comfortable doing any kind of, like, performance mm. things. I remember because... You were quite a theatrical child, to be honest. <laughs> and I remember it was like one of those odd things about you that like after that happened, you were like... A bit more the- reserved. Well, you were theatrical at home and like with family and stuff. Yeah. But if it came to like... Public. Performing something, yeah. you'd be like, no, no, I don't want to do it. I yeah. don't want to do it. And that was kind of like not really like your character yeah. most of the time. But yeah, I think with... with But when it comes to failing as an adult, like what do you, what do you have an experience... Do you have any experience of failure as, as an adult or in your adult, adult life? Yeah, loads. I mean, I didn't get into any of the unis that I applied to when mm. I when I was applying at, yeah. when I was in year 12 or 13 or whatever it was mm. and that is probably one of the biggest failures I've ever had mm. because I think one of the hardest things about dealing with failure is you get so attached to this idea of what it is that you want no mm. matter what it is you're going for right mm. so for me at that time it was getting into this uni- any one of these universities to pursue this career mm. and when it doesn't happen it's like you have to let go of that idea or that possibility and yeah. that's really hard like it's really hard to just complete you know or change plans or think of another thing and I was very stubborn and I didn't change my plans yeah. and I knew that this is what I wanted to do and mm. found another way to do it and yeah. At the time, it felt like, yeah, I felt rejected because obviously I was rejected from the universities, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, it was a massive letdown. I think that was probably mm. one of my biggest failures and I felt very inadequate at the time. I felt very incapable and again, it did affect my confidence because I thought, oh, I, I don't think I'm smart enough to do this or, yeah. you know, and I think looking back now, I realise actually perhaps it was meant to happen because yeah. I went on to end up eventually doing what I wanted to do originally do yeah and had the most amazing experience and opportunity to do it in another country yeah and it was the best experience of my life and Mm. I think how how different things could have been if if that didn't happen yeah I mean it might not have been worse you might have done something different and been happy anyway but exactly you You know one door closes Mm. one opens Mm. um but it definitely felt like a massive setback at the time yeah what about you yeah I've failed loads of things I think most of the academic stuff Mm. I mean I I am in a career and in a field where there's like basically exams forever and I've failed those exams so many times I remember how how awful it felt failing exams at university Mm. and having to retake them in the summer and like other people stay behind and other people have gone home yeah Yeah. exactly and but also just like the feeling of like it's different isn't it because like it, it's sort of like it why does it feel it feels so bad because you feel like shameful almost mm. you're like oh my god how have I let this happen yeah and also when because I have to say like I think a lot of the times because obviously I then eventually went on to pass those exams mm. when I retook them and I've had to take exams multiple times as in my working life yeah 
but there's a fa- there's a there's like why we fail is like so complicated because sometimes there's that feeling of failure of like you could have done more. You could have done more. Yeah. And I think, because obviously if you then go on and you pass the exam, you're like, well, I could have passed it the first time, yeah. couldn't I? So why did I just not do it? Yeah. And that is really hard because it's like, oh, like that fit. Well, I don't know. What's harder? Is it harder to be like, I gave this everything, everything. I have and I failed. So maybe I'm just not good enough. Yeah. Or is it worse to be like, I failed but I know I only gave it like 60% effort or 50% effort and I didn't really revise enough and whatever. I think the first one's harder because I you, think it's it, harder. you then have to admit to yourself like oh maybe I I can't maybe this do isn't, this. I can't yeah, do this. Yeah maybe this isn't cut I'm not cut out for this. True exactly yeah. but then there is a lot of like I think they're sort of linked because sometimes maybe you don't try fully because you're afraid. Afraid of it yeah. If you try and you don't succeed mm. what does that say mm. right and so you end up doing the first thing of like just of the other one of like just not giving it everything mm. you've got. And sometimes it wasn't because I just had nothing like I couldn't be bothered. It was because there was like multiple stuff, things to yeah. focus on or Yeah, you don't just often have one exam, do exactly. you? Especially when you're like at uni or school. And or the whatever. ones that I've had to do after like doing these exams after working is an absolute nightmare. Like yeah. when you have to do postgraduate exams, like you are working full, full time, time and then you're expected to book and sit these exams and revise for them in your spare mm. time. And it's like yeah, one, of, that one of my friends is doing that at the moment yeah. and I just honestly I don't know how she's doing it because yeah. I feel like I don't even have time to do like basic yeah. basic stuff you know like clean my house or whatever exactly and not only she's doing that yeah and like obviously maintaining her herself and yeah. her house or whatever yeah like living and then yeah, yeah. living normal yeah. things and then also studying studying it's, and a, it's too much and so it's not always a case of like you're just being lazy mm. um but yes yeah, certainly like I failed lots of things I failed my driving test I failed um yeah exams and, that, and it is just such a like there's also because you, you can't help but then compare to your peers oh, yeah. and then you just feel like why am I the one that's not able mm, to do these to things do it. and it may be I mean people that know me I think it's in I think it's really important to talk about failure because I think everybody's experienced it and I think there are def- there are definitely people who know me and what I my job is and what my like life is like and probably think like everything's come so easy for me mm. I definitely feel that from mm. people sometimes they're like oh, you're clever, like, everything's so easy. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, mm. and I have actually failed loads of times. Yeah. And I have felt terrible about failing. It's just the same. Because I think sometimes when you're perceived as, like, this clever kid, mm. like, people are just like, oh, it's all been so easy yeah. for you. You just did your A-Log, GCSEs, you did so well. And I'm like, no, I, like, I had to work. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember for my GCSE mocks, I didn't really take it seriously and mm. I got really bad grades and my mom got so annoyed with me. <laughs> and I and then she was like, What are you doing? And yeah. then I was like, Oh yeah. And then I did put the work in and I did well in the end. Fine. And mm. I get it. Like maybe that sounds it's it's different. Like maybe some people put their all of their energy in and they still can't do that well. Mm. That's that's other things. But I think it is important that everyone talks about failure because even people who you perceive to be doing yeah. well You've have failed. You've got to normalise it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've all failed at yeah. things. Everybody's failed at something. Exactly. Um, so I, I think I agree with you. I was thinking about why does it feel so bad to fail. It does feel shameful, but I do think you're right about talking about our parents because mm. how you approach failure is sort of framed by your upbringing, I yeah. think. And I think it's almost like you don't talk about failure. No. It's like it's an embarrassment to yeah. talk about failure. Like if somebody doesn't 
like if somebody's going for something and they don't get it, like they almost rather not tell people they're going for it until mm, after. Until after. Yeah. Because That's definitely the case in our culture. Yeah. Everybody likes to hush hush. And then also with the evil eye thing, you're like, oh, don't let's say it. Otherwise yeah. you won't get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, but, I mean, I'm not blaming our parents, but in, no. that, in our parents' uh, generation and our culture, there definitely is an element of like, you hide the bad mm. things and you don't talk about failures. Yeah. You celebrate success is fine, but like, you don't talk about failure and that probably shapes our attitude yeah, of being so it. perfectionist stressed about yeah. it but there's the danger to it to it isn't there because i think failure can be a good thing and i actually think that being so afraid of failure mm. is dangerous too mm. because it's like what you were saying with the singing thing right yeah. you then felt like you never wanted to put yourself forward for things mm. for a while yeah because you were afraid to fail again. To fail yeah. again. And I think the danger and the fear, and that's where like it's so dangerous to put so much emphasis on failure and make it such a taboo thing because it can stop you trying to do new things mm. if you're so afraid that you're yeah. like, I'm not even it gonna try. Your self-confidence and yeah, exactly. And then that and then you you won't achieve your potential in that way. Mm. Um but yeah, I do think failure can be a good thing. I mean, for you, like you said when you applied to university and did it a different way, mm. it, it ended up working out for you. Yeah. In terms of, for me, would I say failure has been a good thing in my life? I think so in terms of like, just reminding me of like, like you kind of, you can't just get complacent yeah. and you've got to work for things. Yeah. I also think that sometimes when I failed at something, it has made me question. Is this what I want? Yes. Yeah. Why am I failing at this? Is it because I just don't, want to do this exactly right like that's another element of failure Mm. and that's where it can make you see that can be quite good in a way because you're like you make you might make you question things a bit more or research things a bit more into why it is you know it's still gutting that you fail but maybe it's like oh okay fine I'm failing at this I know I'm not giving it my full potential potential why is that Mm. maybe it's because I actually don't Don't really want this Yeah. yeah and that's a hard conversation to have your, mm. have with yourself. But if you don't kind of face the failure, you're never going to have it. Mm. Um, and I think there was something interesting I read about it, about, I know everything seems to be blamed on social media these days, um, but there was a question about, has it impacted how we perceive failure? What do you think? Yeah, 100%. Because you're constantly being shown all these like nobody nobody talks about that much failure on social media yeah and then you see all these people doing successful buying chanel handbags doing Mm. this buying massive houses cars this that every all of that you know i'm talking about material things yeah yeah you know it's you see that and you think oh i haven't i haven't got that what am i well yeah some people i have been i know people on facebook or instagram sorry who like never post Mm. and then the only time they post is like i'm engaged yeah any happy life and, events. And, and that's, and that's thing. normal. Yeah. yeah, and that's normal and it's fine. Yeah. But they're not posting like, I proposed and someone said no. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you're any kind of sad life event. Yeah, exactly. Know? And in a way, you can perceive all those things as failures, mm. right? So the people do just post and yeah. they just create this like really curated version of their life, which is only positives and only success and yeah. only... But it's easy to fall into the trap of believing <clears throat> that that's all there is. But actually, everybody has mm. failed or lost something or gone through hardship in their own life haven't they so it's just you also can fake it more on social media Mm. right like I think like before social media if your life wasn't going that well people would just kind of know or they'd not see you out much or Mm. maybe you wouldn't be wearing like the nicest clothes or Mm. you'd be working too much whatever whereas nowadays 
whatever we perceive as the opposite of failure being success mm. as like these bags and these mm. clothes and whatever, yeah. you can like, you can let go all these companies where you can rent a handbag for like mm, two yeah, hours. Yeah, that's true. You can go and rent a handbag for two hours, go and do a photo shoot around yeah. London with it, return it and put it on your Instagram. And it's like, look at me, I'm so successful. You don't even own it. Yeah, that's true. Very true. So it's easier to like, even if you're not succeeding, to pretend like to you pretend are. you you are mm. exactly. But yeah, I think I don't know. I think failure has always it's hard, but I think it's it's a necessary thing. Like we're all going to fail at something mm. in our lives, and I also think it's important to think about failure. Not just I know we talked about exams and mm. uni and stuff, but sometimes failure can just feel like you're not doing things that everyone else is doing. Mm. And I think, especially you know. In our age group, it's definitely... Certain life events are happening. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. People people are, like, getting married, buying houses, having kids, mm. and all of that stuff. And if you're not doing those things, you can feel like you're failing somehow because mm. you're not. Yeah, yeah. But that's also dangerous because then what if you just rush into a decision about something because you're worried about falling behind? Falling behind, and then it ends up being the wrong decision anyway in the future. Exactly. That's so true. And that's where, like, I think the the it's really important to sort of change the psychology around how you think about failure, which is not easy. No, but it's, it's it yeah. takes growing up to do it. I think because it's it's funny. I obviously met up with my cousins and also my nieces over the weekend, mm. and she'd applied for of her first job, mm. and she'd had the interview, but she hasn't heard back. So we all encouraged her to email and find out what's happened and also get feedback. Yeah, and we were like, doesn't matter if you don't get the job, but for her, it's kind of like, she didn't want to hear the, she didn't want to find out. Yeah. She didn't want to find out what was, what she did wrong. Yes. And it wasn't because she's like arrogant or anything. She, it's just hard to hear as, you know, yeah. a 15, 16 year old, like it's hard to hear criticism criticism in that yeah. way. But it's also important. And I think, I'm ho- I hope we did it for her in mm. terms of being able to foster an environment where she feels comfortable to be able to take that and mm. learn from it and mm. say, actually, well, it doesn't matter that you didn't get the job. Yeah. What matters is you keep going, you apply for another one, you take what you perhaps didn't do so well in that one and try and apply it to a new one and see where you go go from there. It's not them sort of bagging on you or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's, it's them tr- it's trying to make you better. Exactly, and, and it's about sort of like, yeah, so reframing it, reframing failure as like a, an opportunity to learn, mm. which does sound kind of like a bit annoying, yeah. like in the it's depth like, of failure yeah. to be like, this is an opportunity. We need to learn, this is what all of our parents used to say to us when we were younger, like, oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but it is true. But it, it is, is true. true. And, and, and like how to fail well in the mm. sense of like... How you approach it, how you manage it, how you deal with it. Yeah, and yeah. It, and I think it ties a little bit into um, perfectionism stuff mm. as well because it's like learning to accept that not everything is going to go your way, mm. and even when things go wrong, like maybe it's a sign that something else is going to work out. Yeah, but yeah, getting feedback is a, is a is a is a tricky one. I think. It's always really helpful, but I can totally see how when you're young. Oh yeah, like, for me, I would never want to do it. I see why she didn't want to, but yeah, you know, it's an important learning curve. I think you know, also it's, they're it's, not going to be yeah. like you. You know, I don't know that. I, I don't know what she's expecting to hear from it. But. It might also be because, like, when you're young and in school, you're used to feedback from teachers and stuff. Maybe being a bit more like, 
oh you didn't do this well you like yeah like telling you off rather than like sometimes feedback can just be like you're not a good fit mm. or like yeah we're looking for somebody with experience in this and yeah. you don't have you that. can't really help that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like not True, all feedback yeah. is like your shit yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah I think it's about learning to frame it differently and mm. see it as something to learn from and I think also what happens is as you fail in life and realize like when you first fail at something, you're like, this is the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. like move on and you're like, that wasn't actually the end of the yeah. world. That's how I definitely feel about all of the failures I had when I was younger. I'm like, okay, well, I'm still here. I yes. Yeah, yeah. You start to realise that, yeah. oh, okay, well, if there will be more failures, but it's not like... It's not going to matter in a year's time or 10 years' time. Exactly. Yeah. How do you manage when you fail at something now? I vent yeah. to a lot of people. <laughs> I went to my friends and family. I think... For me, I, I, I like the support. I need the support. Mm. And I think that's how I get through stuff. You know, like when I failed an exam, my parents were, you know, mm. very supportive of me and like understanding. And, you know, you can't get everything right first time. Mm. And I think that did push me because I I think for me, the reason why a lot of the time why I was so scared of failure was, was fear of disappointing them. Mm. So I think when they were understanding and showed support of me when I failed that kind of helped me get through it because I'm like, okay, well, actually, they're not angry at me. That's you know? really interesting because that's almost like the opposite for me. I don't think I talk to my parents about failure very much because, as I was saying, like, when I was young, mm. I was always perceived as, like, this really bright kid. And I feel like the reaction I would get from my parents is, like, how could you fail, fail at something? Yeah. Like, So I, I mean, never was like, I, could, I was not allowed to fail because I was yeah. like... They're like, how could you fail it? Yeah. Like, you're so, like, why should you be failing? But then again, there was, I couldn't hide it. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, because like, if I'm, if I'm having to stay back at uni to sit this exam that I've mm. failed, mm. like, but even no, when I did, no even when I did it. tell them, yeah, I did feel like they were like, oh come on, like, how could you have failed that? Like, yeah. you can definitely do this. And that's yeah. sometimes like, I get why they were saying it. I get that that's the, how they feel, but. I was sort of like, yeah, but I did. Hmm. So, and then it makes you feel like more like, oh, it's just because you didn't bother trying hard enough. And that's, it's your, it's like, it's not. I didn't have that problem because I wasn't as smart. (laughs) No, you obviously are just as smart as me, but like. Clever, but you you were very smart when when we were kids. I think, I think I probably like was the smartest I am. I I was the smartest I was when I was like probably like 10. And then it all went a bit downhill from there. But, but I yeah, think like, for me, it was my my parents, like my mum and my dad were mm. very like, it's okay, like, you know, just try again, you know, find yeah. out where you went wrong and see if you can improve it, do do yes. something this. And, and yeah. it, it was no, that was comforting for me because I think that it was the fear of disappointing them that I was most worried about. So knowing yeah. that I had that support meant, it meant a lot more for me. And now I'm older, I kind mm. of when I fail at something like I guess more recently it would be like oh you know if I didn't get a response from a from a job, job application or yeah. whatever and you kind of think god like is this am I meant to be doing this is, am I not good enough you yeah. know you question a lot of things and actually I've definitely <laughs> obviously our, our recent events which we've t- talked about a lot mm. you know over the last couple of years we've been through a very hard time and I sort of feel like now for me when I see failure I think okay well is this an opportunity for redirection mm. or also more, I have more so the mentality that I, d- I genuinely believe things will happen for you when they're meant to happen. Mm. Timing's everything, experiences are everything. And even if something doesn't work out like it did in my previous job, mm. it was such a massive learning curve for me. And I'm, mm. although it was a pretty traumatic experience, like going through that, mm. I kind of think, 
I learned so much from it now mm. and I'm in such a, a much better place and I think well actually I, I needed to go through mm. that crappy thing mm. to be able to experience you have to go through the lows to experience the highs don't you yeah and yeah. and for me I think like my parents would be a supportive mm. in the end I think it took it just took time of me being like well I did find it really hard so what do you want me to say yeah, to you yeah. so and then them, them being like okay you know fine yeah. just carry, keep going keep kind going, of thing yeah. But I do also think that, yeah, absolutely. I I think that sometimes we place such, when you're so like driven and direct and mm. what you want, you like decide something and then you're like, I have to stick to this plan forever. Mm. And if something goes wrong on the plan, you're like, well, I have to be on this plan. Yeah. But actually nothing is sacred in that way. Like there's no reason why I couldn't wake up tomorrow and be like, I want to do something completely different. Yeah. And the things that we've gone through in the last few years, mm. as you said, I yeah. think they've really honed that in my mind. It's like, I could want to like drastically change career paths, yeah. let's say, and be afraid of doing it for years because I'm mm. like, what will people think? Because I've like obviously been doing what I'm doing for a while, mm. but I'm like, what does that matter? What does it matter? Yeah, Do what makes you happy? Exactly. Because you know, to take a more trivial example, like don't hold on to those really nice smelly candles. Yeah, like, burn yeah. them because yeah, you might not yeah. be here tomorrow to burn them yeah. and smell the nice smells. <laughs> exactly. So and- you know. Don't be afraid of, don't let those things... And don't let fear of failure either stop you from doing things. I actually said that in my graduation speech. I think I said, don't let the fear of failure hold you back from, you know... Trying new things. Trying new things and and pushing you forward to achieve what you want and Mm. going for things. Because you are your own biggest enemy when when it comes to that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, And I know for me, like, I definitely have held myself back because I think, oh, you know... We're always a bit risk averse, aren't we? Sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's like, oh well, oh, I could try this, but like, I mean, even this podcast, like, we just went for it, which is kind of unlike us. To yeah, be honest, but we're here. We did, we're here, here a year, a year later. later. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So we are going to do our final segment, obviously our unqualified advice, and we've got a you be the judge again. Yes. Okay, this week's You Be The Judge. Should my wife stop storing baking trays <laughs> in the oven? I do this. Do you do it? I do when it's cold. Yeah, because there's no place, like... I don't... My kitchen is small. I have no place to store them other than the oven, so they get stored Yeah, I have... No, I like, there's one or two that just don't fit in the drawer, so mm. they go in the oven, but I... Yeah. Okay, the prosecution, Sinbad. Rita gets a pass on pretty much everything at the moment, as she's 36 weeks pregnant. <laughs> But the one long-standing issue is she often leaves our baking trays in the oven. I would prefer to keep... Oh, no. No, no. I'd prefer to keep them on the countertop. No. Rita is a multitasker. Countertop is so precious. Yeah. Rita is a multitasker. Often she'll be working from home, then before lunchtime, she'll turn on the oven. It's her way of saying it's time to eat. (laughs) She assumes that the oven will take time to warm up, but it actually gets hot really quickly. And in the meantime, she'll go and sit back down. She'll forget the oven is on and that the trays are inside. I'll then notice a smouldering acrid smell and get up to sort it out. I'll go to the kitchen and take the trays out quite noisily to make a point. (laughs) God, just talk to her. You don't need to be passive aggressive. (laughs) It's tough as the trays have been heated to volcanic rock. God, this guy's so so dramatic. dramatic. (laughs) They've been heated to volcanic rock temperature and I can't see anything for the smoke. One tray has usually got some outline of a garlic baguette or something that has been left in and burned to a crisp. Rita also often keeps the windows closed when she's cooking, so the smoke is worse. Before my current job, I worked as a cook and washed pans. I did two shifts a day, and then I go back home to our kitchen and start cooking again, which I didn't love. 
I think that's why the smell of burning trays annoys me. I really hate it. I can be passive aggressive when I realise what Rita's done. I love her dearly and we we generally work well together. Our kitchen is tiny with everything hanging up to make the most of the space, but we make it work. So there's no space on the mm, countertop. Yeah. I'd like to keep the baking trays on the side to save space, but Rita keep, prefers to keep them in the oven. She says we don't have room for them on the countertop, but they get used all the time, so they wouldn't just be sit, always sitting there. Now, before I start cooking, I always have to check if the baking trays are inside the oven when Rita should really just keep them permanently on the side. That would also save my sense of smell and my eyes. Oh, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't, well, I don't, I don't like, I'm the type of person that doesn't like loads of stuff on the countertop. I think it looks cluttered. Me and if too. you've got a small kitchen, like... You need that space you need for the doing space, things. Yeah, but this, I think the solution. The thing is, I do keep, so I keep two two trays in the oven at all times, mm. but they don't burn because I put foil on them when yeah. I use them. So, but also I always usually just remember when I turn on the oven, I take the stuff out of the oven. Mm. I take all of the baking trays out of the oven and then just prepare the one that I'm using to go in when the oven's hot. Like, yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, she might just have pregnancy brain and forget that the trays are in there. True. But I guess he says it's a supposedly a long-standing issue. Anyway, I'm going to read from Rita's perspective. We live in a really small terrace property. The house makes the most of every bit of space we have for storage, but we've no real cupboard space in our kitchen. Everything is out, hanging, hanging up and on show. I prefer to store the baking trays in the oven. I don't want them out as we don't have the room. I do sometimes forget they're in the oven. I'll turn the oven on and accidentally create some smoke. I don't see a huge problem with that, though. You just take the trays out and they cool down. But Sinbad has an extremely <laughs> powerful sense of smell. Even if he's two stories above the kitchen in our loft, he'll smell it. He'll cool down and say, you've left the baking trays in the oven. I have baby brain at the moment. See? <laughs> That's what I said. Um I suppose. I, I suppose, but I was also once nicknamed the octopus by a friend because I'm always doing something and I'm generally good at multitasking. But when it's time to cook, I still find that I prioritise working. I will start the process of making lunch and then remember there are more important things than eating. Sinbad will always store the trays outside the oven. I'll walk in the kitchen every day and see that he's propped them up on the side, which is annoying. <laughs> We've been together for 14 years. Sinbad has a background in cooking and he's definitely a better cook, but he does like to be in control. When we are cooking, I have to take the back seat. Sinbad finds it quite difficult to be a sous chef. My sense of smell has got stronger during the pregnancy at one point, so I empathise with Sinbad more when the tray started smoking. Sometimes I'll hear Sinbad fumbling around the kitchen (laughs) when I've forgotten to take them out and hear him complaining. I'll think, oh no, but then, oh, he will get over it in a minute. One of the baking trays has sentimental value. It's probably about 25 years old, but I don't want to throw it away, even though it smokes a lot. We could use tinfoil on them, but I think Sinbad wouldn't like that, as he's very eco-friendly and averse to waste. I also don't think it would solve the problem of the smoking smell. However, I don't want to store the baking trays on the countertop because we don't have the space. Mm. Yeah, I mean... The solution really is... I mean, she's saying it's got sentimental value, fine, but the solution is... because. My trays don't smoke. My trays are in the oven, and if I even if I'm cooking something else, mm. and I leave one of them in there, it doesn't smoke or make a smell because there's nothing on the tray. Yeah, like it's a clean tray. Yeah. But I can. I think it must be an old tray. It's got loads of burned loads of stuff, on yeah. stuff on it. Yeah. So the solution is like try and clean that off. Yeah, as best you can. Or get a new tray. Also, or use I think foil, I think he, he kind of has to let go of the the control a little bit. Yeah. Because. Clearly, obviously, with his background in, like, 
cooking or whatever. Yeah. He feels like that's his space, but yeah, it's a shared space. So I think you can forgive it. She's not doing it on purpose. That's the thing. Like she's not doing it on she's purpose. Forgetting she's just forgetting that it's that it's in there. And as most women is multitasking and doing a hundred things, she's not just preparing that meal. Yeah. So occasionally forgets to take it out. I don't think it's the end of the world. Yeah, I just think it's like if the trays were clean properly, they wouldn't be smoking mm. anyway, and that's the real problem. But I agree, they should. I don't like it's annoying to have them on the countertop. Mm, me too. Yep, siding with Rita. Sorry, Simbabs. Yeah. <laughs> not, not coming around to your cluttered counters anytime soon. <laughs> okay, so. That's the end of episode five. Mm-hmm. We are we've got one more episode this season, and then our Christmas special. Special, yeah. We're going to be talking about burnout. Mm. Given that you know it's the end of the year, people. Might it's be quite thinking. a nice follow-on as well from this this week's episode. Yes, yeah. exactly. But and yeah, you're right. The end of the year is always yeah, and it's a it's a really busy time mm. of year as well. I feel like this is probably a key point in the year when people do feel burnt out because oh yeah, I feel quite um quite. Yeah, and so much has been going on, and then like your social life's getting really busy now as well, and it's the run up to Christmas, which is nice, but also you're still having to work and do everything else. So, yeah, that's our topic next week, and we will see you next time. See you next time. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at the Postmortem Pod, all one word, and yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye.